Hello, you're listening to the Soilify podcast, where we talk about regenerative agriculture, soil carbon, and conservation finance. I'm Kim Arora. Through season one, you've heard about the potential of regenerative agriculture in sequestering soil carbon. Today on the podcast, we have with us an expert who's focused on doing exactly that, while also accounting for farmer livelihoods through carbon credits. Ivo Degen is the co-founder of Climate Farmers. This is a Berlin-based startup that focuses on carbon sequestration through regenerative agriculture, and they're currently active in Western Europe and are expanding further. They have been active for about two years now. Welcome to the show, Ivo. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Ivo, you started Climate Farmers sometime in 2020, and one of your primary interventions is something called Carbon Plus Credits. For new listeners, can you tell us a little bit about how that ties in with both conservation as well as conservation finance? So our question um, when we started thinking about climate farms, which was before 2020, was um, how do we have the biggest possible lever on climate change? And uh, my personal background is from agriculture and therefore, um, you know, I was I was excited to see the potential that we have in, in agriculture. Um, me and my co-founder, we both had been very interested in regenerative agriculture previously um, outside of the scope of, of, of climate. But then it turns out that the incredible potential we have in agriculture is best being used through regenerative agriculture. And so our question turned into, okay, well, how do we scale regenerative agriculture to where it would need to be? Um, and um, there became clear the tendency that we have in the market really leads us to a huge interest in regenerative agriculture. Just seeing the incredible potential that we have for climate, that was you know, our considerations in 2019, 2020, um, are going to lead a massive surge of interest uh, towards regenerative agriculture. And so we're like, okay, well, we don't have to convince anyone most likely, but what is going to happen is this space is still very young, even though of course it has thousands of years of history, even though of course it has been described uh, decades ago, um, there's not really uh, what we call an infrastructure for it. So in terms of uh, access to best practices, training programs, uh, uh, university uh, studies, um, financing, etc., all of these things were not really available. And so our starting point was um, what is going to be needed once this massive surge of interest comes is going to be on the one hand access to knowledge and on the other hand access to financing. Um, and uh, a couple of years in, pretty much this is exactly where we are at. The massive surge of interest has taken place or is taking place. And um, and the, the infrastructure is, in fact, missing. And so this is what we're working on. So if we're talking about the carbon plus credits, um, basically the way we think about this is um, we know from the work that we do with hundreds of farms across Europe that um, regenerative agriculture is more profitable than conventional agriculture. Um, so in the end, the model that farmers work towards is more resilient, both in ecological and in economic terms. But there's a phase in between. There's a phase, there's sort of the, the trans transformation phase. Um, 
And that requires financing um, just to de-risk um, that, that uh, transition process. And so this is where what we call carbon plus credits really come in. That is CO2 certificates that are rich in so-called co-benefits. Um, and they make it more attractive and less risky for farmers to take that transition to, to move to a model that is different but uh, more uh, profitable and more resilient over the long term. And the discourse around conservation finance currently, it often talks about ways of reducing financial risk to attract more investment. Do you think we're approaching this problem the right way? Well, it's, an, it's an interesting um, way of thinking about it. In the end, the, the big question is, um, how do we incentivize in in the end regeneration, right? So of course, sort of the 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 way we frame this is is often conservation, but um, we need to go beyond conservation. We really need to go to to regeneration because large parts of the land that that we need that we depend on um, are in fact uh, degenerated. So we need to um, find a way to make regeneration attractive. Now, if you talk to farmers, of course, right? Like you don't have to tell a farmer about uh, about the need to take good care of the land. This is this is what they do, unless we incentivize them out of it, which is what we're doing right now, right? Right now, we we incentivize for uh, either in some parts of the world in Europe um, for large scale. So the more hectares you have, the more subsidies you receive, um, and of course, we incentivize for massive amount of yields. Um, and so basically on the one hand, we need to stop incentivizing the wrong thing. Um, but then agriculture as it works right now in our world is hardly viable as a business. And so there is going to be uh, some amount of uh, financing that we as society provide to, to maintain uh, agriculture. Again, I'm talking here about the, the European context, right? So, so this might be very different in other parts of the world. Um, so we as a society are going to provide some kind of financing. So now the question is, how do we provide financing that you know, helps regeneration? And this is a really, really tricky question, which honestly, I don't believe we have we have solved. Um, the, the direction we're taking right now is to say we incentivize carbon. But we already know from other nature-based solutions, for example, uh, the tree afforestations, um, that if we only incentivize carbon, that carbon is very short-lived. So the, the natural thing that's going to happen, if we pay for carbon, then people are going to look at it, say, which trees capture a lot of carbon? Okay, well, let's plant a lot of these trees. And then you have a monoculture of these trees. These trees either die off because monocultures are not, are not healthy um, or they burn. Um, and so that carbon gets lost very easily. So we're heading in a similar direction with agriculture right now. Um, so this is not an option. So we can't just incentivize carbon. We need to actually incentivize uh, regeneration. We have regeneration on the ecological side. You know, this is what we often talk about. So, you know, we could summarize this as you know, improving the capacity of the system to, to uh, maintain life and to, uh, to uh, also, let's say, withstand uh, shocks and, and improve from it. So basically, uh, anti-fragility. Mm -hmm. But this is only the ecological side. We yeah. also need to look at the economic side. How's the how's the state of the economics of the farm? Because 
the land steward, the farm, the farm business, the farmer, um, needs to be able to do whatever they need to do in order to improve the state of the land over the long term. They can only do that if the economics are, are well. We have the ecological, we have the economic, but we also have the social. We have the person, the, the farmer, the farmer's family, the 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 the, the team at the farm. Um, if uh, let's say the farm business that is viable is um, mass pig uh, um, production, um, and the farmers just happen to hate this, which you know is very understandable, um, they are not going to do this over the long term either. So all of this ties back to you know if we talk about carbon. How, how permanent is this carbon going to be captured? If either of these factors are not are not taken into account, that is ecological regeneration, economic regeneration, social regeneration, that carbon is going to get lost. So now the question for us is, how do we incentivize regeneration, not just carbon? And so, yes, we can, we can incentivize what we call, you know, payments for positive externalities, such as biodiversity, water, and we can go way beyond this, right? So biodiversity water is, let's say, the, the, the classic ones that people tend to talk about when we say carbon and then we say co-benefits. Co-benefits are then often biodiversity and water. But an example I like to use um, in Germany uh, last autumn, Germany and the Netherlands, um, there was an extreme weather event. There was a, there was a heavy rain event. Um, it rained for two, three days, but very, very heavily in one region. Um, the very small creeks in that in that uh, rural region mm -hmm. totally uh, grew over its 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 edges and uh, flooded villages. So within two three days, the German society um, incurred a cost of thirty to forty billion euros um, to all of the houses that will have to be rebuilt, all of the streets, etc. Um, well, you know what is between a rain event. And flooded houses. Well, the only thing that stands between them is healthy soil, right? So agricultural soil and forest soils are really what can mitigate a heavy rain event. And so we as a society, if we can expect more heavy rain events, which you know we absolutely uh, have to expect, um, we are going to incur a lot of costs. So why don't we pay farmers for keeping their soils able to infiltrate a lot of rainwater which you know is done by healthy soils and a lot of carbon in the ground, um, and that is a positive externality that farmers, if they do, if they do a great job, um, they provide for us as a as a society, but nobody is paying for. So these are some aspects. Yes, we can pay for them, on the economic and the social side. How do we, how do we incentivize a mindset shift sort of towards okay aligning what I do with my my preferences and what I care about. That is much harder to do, and honestly, very interested in in ideas uh, on how this could be done. And and you've been doing this and thinking about this for a long, long time since way before you started Climate Farmers. So, um, in your experience, how do you see um, big ticket investors who who you would approach for these sort of incentives? How do you see them approach agriculture when it comes to conservation finance? And has it changed at all in the last few years? The interest in in regenerative agriculture from the finance space has grown so much in the last couple of years. So yes, we see a huge change, um, almost a bit too much. So again, it's sort of this this aspect of lacking infrastructure. It's a market that is developing very very fast, um, but 
you know, the problem with regenerative agriculture is we still don't have a definition, right? And we won't have one, I believe. Um, so um, what do I invest in as, a, as an investor is a difficult question. So uh, we see a lot of interest. Um, initially, when we started, we saw a lot of skepticism from the sort of, you know, classic uh, uh, finances of in the agricultural space. And they were like, yes, these are, this is really nice, but it sounds like a really small scale. And can this really uh, feed the world population? This is usually whenever whenever we're on any kind of panel, this is the first question we always get. You know, like, can this really feed the world population? Um, Janet? Well, let me ask the question. Let me turn the question around, right? Um, how else? Yeah. You know, can you feed the world through conventional mm -hmm. agriculture in the future? Well, no way, right? We have exhausted yeah, soils. Yeah. We have monocultures that are, you know, easily affected by sudden sudden weather events. Um, so we have extremely unresilient um, uh, farms in, in many different ways. And so the likelihood that given the, the agricultural system we have right now that we can feed the world, well, I don't see it. You know, we see the, the situation right now um, with uh, Ukraine and Russia. Um, you know, we depend on wheat as a as a global community um, from very few places. So suddenly the supply chain is interrupted. We have serious issues of famine. Um, we don't get enough uh, fertilizer anymore. Well, and this is going to be an issue because uh, we're going to be using less and less fossil fuels. And then we're going to, uh, we're not going to be able to sustain it. So the question is not, can we can we do it through regenerative agriculture? Questions: Can we do it with what we have right now, and can we do it in any other way than regenerative agriculture? I don't believe so. So, and this is changing. A couple of years ago, this was you know we were the we were the dreamers and the and the uh, you know we would we were often not taken serious in these conversations. By now, um, you know, then suddenly the the large uh, food corporations started uh, talking about regenerative agriculture, starting with General Mills, uh, the great work at Patagonia and, and, and the regenerative organic certification in the US has done, the great work that Savory has done, um, then, uh, you know, Nestle, Danone, Unilever, et cetera, started making these, these, uh, these big commitments. By now, the EU is absolutely talking about it. The national governments in the EU are absolutely talking about it. I've been in a in a meeting with with representatives of the German government who have said the sentence: um, Germany has stepped on the path towards regenerative agriculture and will not stray from it. And I was like, a couple of months ago, nobody of you had ever heard of this. This is, I mean, this is an incredible change, um, which is very very impressive. At the same time, of course, okay, so the switch from we've never heard of it to we're going to change everything towards this is also a bit scary, right? What happened in those two months? That is a very fascinating question. Um, so a couple of a couple of things. Um, I think on the one hand, uh, the uh, real risk of climate change has become more apparent. So what um, what I see is that uh, the decision of food corporations, agri-food corporations and national governments and, and, and international governments um, is not taken because they think that consumers are going to you know, buy a new product with a regenerative label. Uh, consumers 
honestly have mostly not heard about regenerative agriculture and they're going to be very confused about wait we have organic and then we now also have regenerative what is what um the decision is much more taken because of the resilience of the supply chain um, so exactly what we just talked about. So the conversation that that we have with the with the agri food industry is um, is around risk reduction, um, and the risk is very very real. And so regenerative agriculture is on the one hand a way to reduce one's carbon footprint while improving the resilience of the of the supply chain, and that is of course very attractive. One last question for you, Ivo. Um, we've seen different modes and kinds of finance and funding come into regenerative agriculture globally. So we have carbon credits, we obviously have philanthropic funding and uh, even green bonds for that matter. And over the last few years, what would you say have been the key lessons from all of these efforts? Fascinating question. Um, so let me start with carbon credits. Um, Two, three years ago, we saw some of the first, um, I mean, so first of all, we have to say the very first carbon credits that have ever been sold, 1970-ish, I believe, have been through an agroforestry project in, in Central America. So carbon credits for agriculture have been around since the beginning. But the first sort of uh, programs that that were on a, on a large scale um, have really started a couple of years ago. So, for example, with uh, Nori in the in the US, uh, Region Network, a couple of others, um, this has really really uh, taken off. Um, the big lesson there is around quality. So, carbon credits sound easy. Honestly, given that it's unregulated, it is easy, right? Like potentially, I could tell you, look, I've, you know, I've buried a ton of carbon in my backyard. Uh, do you want to buy it? And you say yes, and you buy it. That That's okay. Um, but to do it well and to instill trust um, in this market to maintain integrity, that is really, really difficult to do. Um, and so one of the core lessons is if we want to pay farmers for outcomes, in a way that you know we can do that over a long period of time and 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 uh, make sure that we have enough funding available for it over a period of time is only if we maintain the highest levels of integrity that are possible now carbon credits from agriculture are not easily done because as soilify knows measuring carbon in soil is really really difficult um, slash close to impossible to do 100% accurately um and so um there's a there's a huge challenge to all of us working in this space to be absolutely transparent about the way in which we do it where and why we choose to take shortcuts um from the uh, sort of appropriate uh, international standards um show how uh, accurate we are show how we have gotten to these results. And so anybody can, can follow the same steps and get to the same results. So make it clear um, where the results come from so we can absolutely instill trust. There are going to be more and more outcome-based payments. So paying farmers for the outcomes they generate for us as a society, such as biodiversity, water, carbon. Um, 
but to do that requires really sound scientific methodologies. And this is something that we're working on with a number of partners and uh, that we're very excited about. Um, then the other questions of on funding for, for such initiatives, the challenge I think is, or the, the lesson is, um, I've before before founding climate farmers, I've been part of a of a, a large open social innovation um, project called uh, Project Together, um, in which we incubated a large number of projects around similar topics, such as, for example, climate positive agriculture. So this is this is where we learned a lot of what we're doing, um, and it is very noticeable that a lot of people are interested in regenerative agriculture. Then they look at how can we support this. Then they get into carbon markets. Then they get into satellites. And then they say, okay, well, through satellites, we can measure this. And then they create a project around it. And then they often realize, oh, it is way more difficult than we actually thought it is. Um, it's a journey that we have gone through. Uh, it's a journey that many have gone through. I would hope that future entrepreneurs don't have to go through that journey again because it you know, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of money for people to to do to make the same learnings again. So I think the lesson is also diversify. Make sure you do something that has not been done yet. There's a lot of things that need to be done uh, to, you know, again, build the infrastructure for scaling regenerative agriculture. It's our mission statement, but it's also all of our uh, all of our work of all of these different organizations. So the question is, how can we identify all of the different things that need to be done How's funding working? How does consultancy work? How do we uh, provide uh, more risk assessment for farmers? Um, how do we build communities? All of these different elements that are needed for scaling regenerative agriculture. Um, and how can we sort of distribute the weight on it rather than concentrating all of us on the same two business models? Um, this would be sort of a, a big appeal. And for, for entrepreneurs interested in this space, we have done a lot of research into potential business models and we're very happy to share them. Um, so for anybody listening that is considering to start something in this space, um, you know, please get in touch before you start the next satellite-based carbon credits program. Thank you. You actually summed that up pretty well. Let's hope we'll continue learning from this and come up with better, more sustainable and trustworthy models uh, going forward. Thank you so much for your time today, Ivo. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And thank you for your work with this podcast. I think it's really important. Thank you. That's all we have time for today on the Solify podcast. As always, you will find links to any articles, studies, or reports that we referred to in this episode in the show notes. We'll be back next week with another guest to talk about other aspects of regenerative agriculture and conservation finance. Until then, stay safe and goodbye.